Welcome to Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. Are you hungry to hear more about our beautiful Savior Jesus? Well, the Bible declares that grace and peace are multiplied to us in the knowledge of Jesus. Join me for revelatory teaching, interviews with leaders in the body of Christ, and testimonies of God's goodness in your life. Thanks for joining the conversation to reveal more of Jesus to a hurting world today. Once the ministry started, I started seeing it all come together, that it was all, just like you said, part of the plan. And I feel like that could really give some people hope out there right now. Maybe they're working in a job where Maybe it isn't necessarily in ministry, but maybe it's training them for what they will one day do. But before we get started, I want to give a quick shout out to our Christina Prayer Ministry sponsors who help support the mission to unite the body of Christ and fulfill the Great Commission with love. A big shout out to Gopher Ministries who provides all of our equipment for our gospel events. Davis Financial Services, who does all of our financial accounting. Harvest Family Network, through which I am licensed and ordained. And Life Changing Productions, who helps put together evangelistic events to reach our city for Jesus. If you or your organization are interested in becoming a CPM sponsor, you can find out more information on our website at ChristinaPereira.org. Do you have a loved one's special occasion coming up and don't know what to get them? Well, now you can sponsor an episode of Revealing Jesus in their name. And you can give them a special dedication message read on air. It makes a great gift. To find out more information, just go to christinaperreira.org slash podcast. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. I am your host, Christina, and I'm so excited to have you with me here today. I hope and I pray that you are doing well right where you are and enjoying the continuously flowing favor of grace pouring from our beautiful Savior and Father in heaven. I've got a great show for you today. I have an amazing leader in the body of Christ with me. She is the founder and president of the nonprofit Scarlet Hope which seeks to bring Jesus into the lives of women in the adult entertainment industry. I have with me today, Rochelle Starr. Welcome to the podcast, Rochelle. Thank you so much for having me, Christina. I'm happy to be here. Oh, well, I'm so excited to have you with me. You know, she has a new book out called Outrageous Obedience, and it's all about her story of following God and really the destiny that he created for her life and following him into very dark places. And many of you know out there that that is just a string that really resonates with my heart because Jesus is all about going out into this dark world and meeting the needs of people around us. And so I am honored to have you with me. What an honor. I love the name of your podcast. I'm just really excited to talk to you. And I love that we have this connection to bring the light of Christ to the darkness. Yes. Well, I've told our listeners so much about you. Can you share with them something personal just to help get to know you? Oh, yeah. Well, a fun fact about me is I'm a mom to a little boy named Caleb. He's one and a son named Isaac. He's nine. 
And my husband and I have been married for almost 18 years in January. We're high school sweethearts from Indiana. Oh, I love that so much. You've got a big spread on those ages from nine to one. (laughs) Wow. Yes, God uh, wanted to keep me very active and young, giving me another one-year-old. Both of my boys are adopted domestically. So Caleb entered our live at birth when he was just one years old. And he's about to turn two. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. You know, I actually have a seven-year-old and my husband and I just last night were toying with the idea of going backwards and starting over and having another baby. And wow, I have to hand it to you. A nine-year gap going backwards. That is brave, my friend. <laughs> With all things, with God, all things are possible. I'd say that was easy, but it's possible. Yes, that is the kicker right there. It's possible, but not always easy. I love it. And it's a perfect segue right into your book. (laughs) It's all possible, but not always easy. So, you know, since this is revealing Jesus, I have to ask you how you met our beautiful Savior. Hmm. Yeah, so I gave my life to the Lord when I was eight years old, and I actually fully remember it like it was yesterday. I told my dad, who was a pastor at a Dairy Queen in Ogopaw, Oklahoma, that I wanted to give my life to Jesus, and I wanted to walk with him. Now, at eight years old, you only know so much, but it was enough for the Lord to have revealed himself to me and opened my eyes and really you know, prompt me to himself. And so I gave my life to the Lord. I was baptized at eight. And even in my book, as you're reading my story, I had a terminal illness that I actually didn't know if I was even going to make it to my 10th birthday. And by God's grace, he miraculously healed me around nine. So I've just, you know, had a really sweet, long life already with Jesus. And I love him so much. Mm, isn't that so beautiful? You know, I was reading that story in your book about your diagnosis, and it so struck me that you were how you looked at it and how you framed it. And you said he used it to help you have compassion on those that you're now reaching. And you talked about how, you know, God weaves everything together in our lives. And I really, really related to that. It's so interesting. He never wastes anything. And you even talked about all the different jobs you had while you were in the process of just searching for God and what he had for you. Can you talk a little bit about the process of how you got started in your ministry and how God led you into that? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely still believe to this day that, you know, God doesn't waste anything and that all things can be for his glory. And so often I hear, and even I was like this in my early 20s, but I hear all women in all ranges of life say, you know, I just don't know why I'm in this season, or I don't know why I'm doing this job, or Mm -hmm. when is God going to ever use me, or what have you. And I think the coolest part about the Lord is that He can use everything, but we also don't know what He's preparing us for. And so backing up in my story, to when I was younger. I mean, I started working very young, had many, many different jobs, but a couple in particular that the Lord selected for me, I would say. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he can see the whole story, right? Like he can see now, now I've been in this ministry for 15 years. 
And back then he could see all of that and he knew what skills and things I needed to learn and grow in so that it would, you know, be utilized for the kingdom even now, 15 years later. And so when I was 19 years old, I was going to dental hygiene school and then I ended up getting a job as an orthodontic assistant. And then I ended up getting a job at a marketing agency and I didn't know anything about it. But it was during that time of working at a marketing agency in Louisville where I would drive into work and pray like, Lord, is this all there is to life? Like you saved me, you healed me. Now, how do you want to use me? And so for about two years, I would pray and fast on my way into work and ask God to give me a people and a purpose like Esther and the Bible. And he did. He answered that call when I was 23 years old as I was driving past the Theater X. I did not know anything about that place. I didn't know about human trafficking in 2007. It wasn't something that was talked about. But the Lord in his mercy was already preparing me long before this to answer that call and say yes and to be obedient to his voice. And so kind of essentially how I got into starting this ministry. Mm, I love that so much. You know, when I first started my ministry, I looked back and Lord, I was like, why did I get a degree in finance? Why did I work in business? Why did I work at these different places? Why did I have like all of these different desires? And for me, once the ministry started, I started seeing it all come together, that it was all just like you said, part of the plan. And I feel like that could really give some people hope out there right now. Maybe they're working in a job where maybe it isn't necessarily in ministry, but maybe it's training them for what they will one day do. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. I mean, I think about the, I'm really bad at math. This is not in the book, (laughs) but a fun fact is I almost didn't pass high school because I could not get my math straight. And the funniest part about the job, the marketing job that I had was the owner of the company came and said, would you learn QuickBooks and how to do our accounts? Mm -hmm. And I said, you do not want me doing that. And he said, well, I need somebody to do it and your schedule will allow it. And so I had to teach myself that and they gave me some courses and things like that. But I remember in that moment going, Lord, I almost failed high school because of math. I can't do this. And God saying like, I'm going to give you this resources to teach you how to do this. Well, from the moment we had our first donation at our ministry, we had a QuickBooks account and an accountant. And, you know, I wanted to manage the money that God was giving us wisely. And because of that job and the training that I had, that I was able to do that. Wow. That is amazing. I love that so much. You know, it gives me such courage. And you actually talked about this in your book where people would come up to you and they would say, is it too late for God to use me? And I've heard so many women say that. Sometimes we've laid down so much for our families and we've taken jobs and had children and laid down so much. And, you know, there's women out there in their 40s and 50s saying, is it too late? I've spent my time in the financial industry. I've spent my time in the marketing industry. I've done this. I've done that. Is it too late? Will God still use all of it? And there's such hope. You know, there's such hope and he loves to 
choreograph, like he would said, the things in our lives to ultimately bring us to the place that he wants us. And it's so comforting to me that even when we think we've missed it, when we're off the beaten track, he's still going to use it to fulfill our destiny. And it takes all the pressure off. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. We can trust that if we are in Christ and we're seeking him, but even seeking the things that, you know, that he desires, like there's so many things in life that our flesh want, right? Comfort, all sorts of things. But when we truly lay down our agendas and just say yes to whatever it is that God wants, he will show up and show off. I mean, he will do more than we could ever imagine or hope for in our lives and use our lives as an offering. And that doesn't matter if you're 50, you're 80. I mean, we have in our ministry, Christina, we have 80-year-old women that serve every week. They cook meals, Mm -hmm. they write thank you cards, they make blankets. Like, it's amazing to me that all the way until you know, many of them, their last breath, that they want to serve the Lord and use their gifts and talents for the kingdom. And everybody can do that, right? Like anyone can do that. Absolutely. They absolutely can do that. And we need every single one of us doing that. You know, it's so hard for me sometimes because I look and I see the pain. I see the brokenness. I see much like Jesus, he sees the people like a sheep without a shepherd. And I think that we need to get past the seeing of the sin and start to see actually just people, just people hurting, just people in need. And absolutely, if we were to do that, we could turn this world upside down. Mm -hmm. I firmly believe that. You know, it was what Jesus instilled in his 12 disciples who believed that with love and compassion, they could change the world. And they did. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. And, and I love that you guys go into the dark, dark places. Can you share with our listeners how you got started, what that first experience was like when you took your first step into the darkness? Yeah, so it was an experience that I, you know, I often remind myself of, but I also talk about. And so it feels like it was just yesterday, even though it was over 14 and a half years ago. I was so certain that the Lord had called us to go into the strip clubs. To be honest, we didn't have an agenda or a plan. My plan was Jesus said go. So we were going to show up and we were going to ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want us to do now? (laughs) And so myself, my best friend, And a couple other friends joined me the night that we first went in. And we had prayed and fasted for two days, asking the Lord, which place do you want us to go to? There were 27 strip clubs in Louisville, Kentucky, where we first started. And out of the 27, we had been praying around pretty much all of them and didn't know which one the Lord was going to open the door at. And so from Sunday to Tuesday, we were fasting. And on Tuesday, we met together. And the women that I were with, we all agreed to go to this one particular club. And so we showed up and we paid $10 to get in the door. And here's kind of the first, to give the listeners really a picture of what it was like through my eyes or through our eyes as a team. We didn't know what we were getting into. I'd never been in a strip club in my life. 
I'm not from the industry. I didn't grow up around that type of thing. And so the very first thing that I remember is the pervasive dark hallway that we were led into once we paid the cover charge. And, you know, I tell people this all the time that that was the best $10 investment that I've ever made in my life because tens of thousands of people now have been impacted. And a lot of people would detour, I'm not paying that $10 to get in that door. But that's how God opened up the door. And so as we were sitting there, we were walking through a hallway and the bouncer automatically led us over to the bar where they serve alcohol. And of course, we weren't there for that. And the funniest part of the story, this is also in my book, is like I was wearing a turtleneck with no makeup because I didn't want them to think I was there for a job. Mm -hmm. And all my friends were wearing the same and had no makeup either. And so we were ushered over to the bar and sat up at the bar, ordered a Sprite, a Coke, a Dr. Pepper, whatever. And the bartender immediately asked, what are you guys here for? You look very out of place. And the only thing that could come out of my mouth was, And as I was praying the whole time, Holy Spirit, you'd guide us, you direct us, you take us where you want us to go, you help me to talk to who you want us to talk to. And I said, Jesus sent us here to do something kind and loving for the people in this place. I was wondering if we could bring in a home cooked meal. And she had big, long, black, curly hair. And she was kind of shorter. And she had been a bartender there for about 10 years. And she said, oh, no, we don't need anything like that. And so, you know, I said, "Okay, no problem. What's your name? How are you doing? Got to know her a little bit. She told me about her Her boyfriend, got her into this life and she's depressed and this, that and the other. And so a little bit later, I felt the Holy Spirit prompting us to go to the other side of the club. And in the beginning, you could not have alcohol and the dancing side of the clubs together. They were not allowed to be in the same area. So we ended up going back through another area into the other side. And that's where the Lord opened the door to serve home-cooked meals in the strip clubs. And how he did that was we were sitting at a high-top table. My friends and I were trying to act as normal as possible (laughs) without being too awkward. And we were talking to each other and Women were coming up and the place was very loud and dark lights and lots of people. And we definitely looked out of place. And um, I just felt the Holy Spirit prompt me again. He was so near this particular night. And I heard him prompt me again to say, go talk to a man out of about 30 men in the room. And it ended up being the general manager slash owner. And I told him exactly what I said to the bartender. I said, Jesus has sent us here to do something kind and loving for the women in this place. Can we bring in a home-cooked meal? And, you know, after an hour and 45 minutes, not of convincing him, but of sharing his story with us, he looked at me and said, how soon can you come in? And Mm -hmm. that night, it was a Tuesday night, we began serving home-cooked meals in strip clubs in our city that Thursday, and we have never stopped since then. Mm, I love that so much. I just can't imagine the courage it took to walk down that dark hallway, not knowing what you would be experiencing. I just can't even imagine. But it was well worth it. I love that you said that it was the best $10 you've ever spent because so many people have been impacted by it. That's really incredible. 
Yeah, God, it's like the fishes and the loaves. I mean, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. And we didn't know what that, you know, paying $10 to get in the club would even do. But what it did is it opened the door for the presence of the Lord to be in that place. And where two or more gathered, as the word says, there he is, and he is there, and he is there. And he has affirmed that and confirmed that over and over and over again in our ministry. And it's one of my favorite things about the Lord is that he is alive and he is active. Mm -hmm. Isn't that the most beautiful thing that when he does give you an assignment or calls you to go somewhere, he goes with you. And truly in ministry, that, that's been my greatest comfort. You know, the Great Commission, I will be with you. As you go, I will be with you. And really, that's the only assurance that we really have. I know you talked about this a little bit about in your book, Stepping into the Unknown and following God into that. And you brought up a couple of things in your book, how we can join God where he's working. And, you know, he is always working. He's always doing something. And we've been invited into this ministry of reconciliation that Jesus started and that we get the privilege and honor of continuing in this life. That's really what all of our ministries are doing, whether it's in homeless ministry or in women trapped in the entertainment, adult entertainment industry, wherever it is, we are going into this world and we are reconciling people back to Christ. You talked about this woman that had made a comment to you in your book at church, and she talked about this adult entertainment place and how Whenever she went by it, she would shield her eyes and her kids' eyes, and she talked about how disgusting it was, instead of seeing through the eyes of Jesus with compassion. And if we can just get past the whole sin nature of it and see the compassion, I think we could do some incredible things. Can you talk about that conversation with that woman and how that impacted you and how it changed the way you saw people? Yeah, I think that comment, I had not yet received the calling from the Lord to go to the people in the industry yet when that woman at church said that. And to be honest, I don't want to call out that particular woman, but I want to say like at collectively as Christians, I do believe that we have a hard time when people don't smell like us or look like us, or we particularly do not understand why. Uh, a particular sin or issue in the world exists, we tend to point fingers or say, turn our heads to it because we don't know what to do or how to respond. And that day that that woman said it, it stuck in my heart so significantly because Jesus did not turn his head away from us. He came to us. Mm -hmm. And as Christians, we are to be like him. We are to have eyes that see like him, and we are all being made into the image of Christ as believers. But that moment in time, I thought, what if she had turned her eyes towards the people, not what they were doing mm -hmm. or the sin or how disgusting the dilapidated the building was, but actually towards the people and said, like, Lord, 
these people are in darkness. I don't know anything about them. Send me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that wasn't the case. And I think that's often, you know, over the years, I've been able to have the pleasure of really getting to know women and helping coach and encourage them to be inspired to obey the Lord in whatever he's calling them to. But oftentimes, if it's uncomfortable, oh, then we won't. We want mm-hmm. a calling that's pretty safe mm-hmm. and going to be pretty. But let me just remind everyone, in 2007, no one was talking about human trafficking. So when I started to say to people at my church, I'm going to go and share home-cooked meals with women in strip clubs, legitimately, not only did I get scathing remarks, many of my friends left friendship with me. Mm-hmm. Um, people at church said, you'll become like them if you go to them. Wow. Also, there's a sign outside of our church. They can just come. You don't have to go where right. they work. So I could talk a lot about it. Obviously, I do in my book. But it was a very impactful moment because I just was so grateful. Jesus, thank you for not turning your eyes away from us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's the mindset shift that we as the American church, one of them that we need to make. And, you know, that idea, they can just come to us. Well, I don't know if you haven't noticed, but they're not coming to you. And then when they come and they smell horrible, I've seen them send them away. Yeah. And, you know, I think we really need to see people as people. I think sometimes in our Christianity, we can become more sin obsessed than we are Jesus obsessed. And if you look at the Gospels and you look at how Jesus lived, they accused him of being a wine bibber. And apparently that's someone who drinks wine a lot because he came eating and drinking, like he said and sitting with sinners. And they accused him of these things. And that's the thing is when we start to shine like Jesus, we're going to get accused of these things. You know, if we truly read the Gospels, we'll see that Jesus was, he was reviled. He was hated. He was spat upon. He was accused. He was all of these things. But everywhere he went, the people who were trapped in bondage and sin and sickness and disease he was life-giving to them. Yeah. You know, I think about if we as believers want to walk and we want the benefits of what Jesus had to offer, right? <laughs> but I think oftentimes now in our culture, we have about a thousand excuses why we don't want to do the things that Jesus did. Yeah. Well, that was back then. But these things still exist today in a much, probably even more prolific way. And so, yeah, I think Jesus shows us exactly how he demonstrates to us how he wants us to live our lives. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about some of those excuses or hindrances to your obedience and how just following him and your ministry and your life? Because I know that we've all experienced them, you know, being in ministry and whether it's at a home or out in the world or wherever it is, it's uncomfortable at times. It's stretching, it's growing, it's soul crushing, it's joyful, it's more than we could ever experience, but it's all of those things. 
Yes. Um, the hindrances to just obedience in my own life. I mean, and I talk about these in the book, there's fear, there's doubt, and there's just being uncomfortable. I mean, all along the way, one thing that was a very interesting about the Lord's call, my husband and I both had two very great jobs. He worked at a church. I worked at a marketing agency and we had health insurance, we had secure Mm -hmm. incomes and so on and so forth. And, you know, to be honest, God called both of us to give all that up and to do this full time. Mm -hmm. And when we did that, we both quit our jobs within 30 days of each other, not knowing a single day we would be paid or how it was going to pan out. Right. Mm -hmm. And so a hindrance is fear of like, God, is this really your calling on my life? Do you really want me to spend my life on this? You know, and I know like I often get asked in podcasts, like, isn't there just ordinary obedience? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> like I, I have to have ordinary obedience to the Lord every day, all day. But I think that the hindrances and the barriers in being obedient all day come down to the core fear, doubt. Is this really for me? This is so uncomfortable. Are you mm-hmm. really going to provide for what I need, Lord? Mm-hmm. And there's so many more, but those are the ones I've identified in my own life that keeps showing up from time to time in different seasons. Mm-hmm. And you talk about that doubt. I know that all of us have faced doubt. God, is this really what you want me to do? You know, am I qualified for this? And so on and so on. Can you talk about how you've slain that doubt in past seasons? Well, one of the ways that I have really put that to death is really not me at all. It's through the (laughs) Lord's faithfulness. Let me give you this example. I was in a strip club and the Lord was making this very clear. Actually, Rochelle, this is what I've created you for. Like, I want you to quit your job. I want you to do this full time. I'm actually going to move some people into your house because they're homeless. Like he was doing all this crazy stuff. (laughs) That was amazing. But also like, I want you to quit your job, but I also want you to take these people in well, God, how am I going to do that? And so one of the ways that the doubt has creeped in is in those moments, right? And so I could list a lot, but the Lord shows up and saying, I remember specific examples where I would doubt that this is what the Lord would be doing. And then the next day, the Lord would provide something that was specific, not just like in general, like, hey, I want to help support this or here's a hundred bucks. It was like, no, this is an exact need. And God met that exact need. Wow. And I was like, when that happens, when you are aligned with the Holy Spirit and you are aligned with walking where Jesus is having you walk, those moments in time, even when my flesh doubts, the Mm -hmm. Lord is right there to say, no, I'm going to show you my faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And building my faith in him and in the calling that he's put on my life as I go in this ministry. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, like putting those doubts to death or the fear really doesn't have much to do with me. It has to do with walking in the spirit and watching him work and then trusting, God, you are sovereign and you are over this all. And thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. 
Mm, I love that so much. And it encourages people out there that in order to step into this, you don't have to have all of the faith up front, you know? Yeah. You can step in and it can be built along the way. And as you see his faithfulness, as he brings provision, when you were talking, I was reminded of that story that Joyce Meyer tells when she really needed some dish towels after she quit her job and to stay home with the kids and to study in ministry. And she was like, Lord, I need dish rags. <laughs> and then lo and behold, somebody showed up with dish rags on her porch. <laughs> and I love that so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's like, I don't know, maybe it's just me that's all in listening to this podcast and talking to you about this. But I feel like we do not believe that the Lord cares about everything, literally Mm -hmm. everything. And that's a great example of that. You know, she was answering her call to be obedient to the Lord, to study and minister. And the Lord showed up with dish towels. Does that seem insignificant? Mm -hmm. Maybe, but the reality is it came from God and that built her faith. and, Mm -hmm. And we all have those examples. But it just takes the size of a mustard seed (laughs) to get started. I love that so much. So right now, if you have faith is the size of a mustard seed to step into what God has for you, it's going to grow. And as you move and, you know, it's so interesting to me because when I started out in ministry, it started out one way and then the Lord's open doors. And I never thought I would be doing a podcast. I had no grid for that. But as I went and as I stepped out, it was like he shaped and refined and he led. And it was so interesting. And it was very stretching. I think that's one of the biggest things. Is And I always tell people this. I've just gotten very comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think I could probably say the same thing with going into strip clubs every week is you just get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But it's amazing because it's in those places where we're so out of our comfort zone and we're so far over our head that he has no choice but to step in. (laughs) Yeah, we have no choice but to let him step in and take over. Otherwise, I don't think we would continue to do it. Right. Isn't that amazing? And, you know, honestly, sitting here thinking about it, I think it's probably more for our benefit so that we can get ourselves out of the way than it is for him. Oh, amen. Amen. Well, if we had all the pieces of the puzzle, if I had all the pieces of this Scarlet Hope puzzle today, I don't know if I would have necessarily done it. You know? I know. <laughs> I know. Ain't that the truth? Amen to that. That's because. I am like you. When I stepped out in ministry, I lost friends. I got called all kinds of things, accused of stuff. Man, it was brutal. It was really brutal. But five years later and you 15 years later, it's been worth it, hasn't it? Absolutely. Every single moment of every day has been absolutely worth it. I wouldn't still be here if it wasn't. And also to say, like, once I experienced the Lord's faithfulness in ways that I had never known possible, right? I don't know about you, but I want more of that. I want to experience more and more of his goodness here and also want other people to experience that as well. 
Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You said something, a phrase in your book that stood out to me. You said, if you don't say yes, you'll miss having that front row seat to what God wants to do in your life. And I was like, wow, that's such a great analogy and a great way to look at it. You get a front row seat to what God is doing right in your own life. And that is exciting. That is full of life. That is full of joy. And to be honest with you, along the way, I've met so many amazing people. And there's so many people out there who are living lives just like this. It's not for the few. It's for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, the gospel is for everyone, and especially with for believers that are called by grace. How much more should we be willing to give grace and to extend it to others? Amen. And be obedient to that call on our lives as Christians. Amen. See, that is one of the fundamental shifts right there that we need to make is that even when we become saved and we become that new creation, we still have to remember that we were at one point sinners saved by grace. And, you know, I think that fact keeps us from passing judgment on others as it should. I think, I believe Jesus gives an example of this. I believe it's the man who is, uh, this is a story, I have to think about it for a minute, but it was the man who he basically was forgiven his debt and then he decided to exact payment from his servant. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. But yes, it's coming back to me, but. Was that in Matthew? I think it was in Matthew, yes. Yes, it was. I'll have to go look that up and I'll put it in the show notes because I can't remember right now the entire story. But the gist of it was, was that he had been forgiven everything. And then his servant who owed him a measly amount of money, he decided to extract it from him. And then, you know, Jesus said, you wicked servant. How could yeah. you do this? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think each of us, well, and you know, I don't know if this ties into the point of that story, but I think that when we have gifts and talents that come from the Lord and we bottle them up or we don't use them for his kingdom, I think it's kind of the same thing. I mean, mm -hmm. we're hiding them, we're burying them, and mm -hmm. um, that wasn't the original intention for them. Like we are not created for this life, right? We're created for eternity and for Christ and for the the heavenly realm that one day believers will get to enjoy. But until then, you know, we have opportunities, I think, to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And so how can we use the gifts and talents and tools and resources that God has given to us to advance his kingdom? Mm, I love that so much. You know, I had a conversation quite a few episodes back and my guest said something really powerful. He said, this is the only life that we get to serve Jesus in because once once we're with him, this is the only time that we have to lay down our lives for the sake of the gospel. We will, you know, in eternity, we'll be rewarded for what we've done here. I believe that in eternity, there'll be positions and power and ruling places based on what we've done here, based yeah. on the sacrifices, the taking up our own crosses, the all of that, the outrageous obedience. Because this right here, right now, this life is training ground for eternity. 
And it's such a beautiful thing. And it's such a privilege and honor to lay down our lives for the sake of the gospel, even when it's uncomfortable. Um, So good. Is there anything burning on your heart that you'd like to say directly to our listeners? You know, I have been really prompted to just encourage listeners to desire to be called and used by God. Because I think the enemy wants people, especially God's children, to believe that they're not good enough or that someone else will do it. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is that uniquely God gives each one of us gifts, but uniquely God calls each one of us in different ways. And Mm -hmm. so I just encourage and want to inspire people to desire and ask God for that desire to be used for his kingdom and his purposes. And it doesn't have to be like you start a nonprofit ministry and you do something crazy, you know? It could be simple things in life that God's calling you or to join where God's working. Mm -hmm. And that's really what is burden on my heart is don't ever let the enemy make you believe that you're not good enough or that you doesn't matter or that someone else will do it because he'll use all of those excuses to keep you from experiencing God's beauty here and now on the side of heaven. Mm-hmm. So good. I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've experienced all of those things. I love that. Thank you. Yes. Will you pray for our listeners before we go that they would have the courage to step into that front row seat of what God wants to do in their life? Absolutely. I'd be honored to. Thank you. Father God, we come to you and we praise you, God, for how good you are, for how merciful you are to us as your children. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to make a way to you, Father. Lord, thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Mm -hmm. Father, I pray for the people listening to this podcast, and I pray, God, for your children to be motivated to, to seek you and to ask you, Lord, send me. Here I am. Help me to spend my life on behalf of the kingdom. Father, I ask that you will help us to lay down our fears, our doubts, our worries, and to trust you that when you call us or when you prompt us, God, you'll be with us also. Mm -hmm. Lord, we love you. I thank you for Christina and this podcast. We thank you for her heart to spread your gospel to the nations. Lord, we love you, and I'm so grateful for this time. May your will be done on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. That was so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, this has been so much fun. It's been an honor. I hope and I pray that today's episode has blessed you. I will have links from today's podcast and resources in the show notes on cpnshows.com under Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. There you'll find additional resources to connect with us and our special guest, Rochelle Starr.
Until next week, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus. God bless. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. I hope today's episode has blessed you. Please subscribe, share it with your friends, and don't forget to sign up for our ministry mailing list for more encouraging content about our beautiful Savior, Jesus. Just text JESUS to 1-833-815-7778. That's 1-833-815-7778. 7778. And of course, it's your turn now to join the conversation. Send me your burning questions, leaders you would like to hear from in the body of Christ, your testimonies, and more. Just click join the conversation in the show notes. And for more information about our ministry, visit us at ChristinaPereira.org. Until next week, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus. God bless.